0: Hello and welcome to Rod's You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I'm Sarah Gorski. I'm Jupiter F. Stone.
1: And I'm Chloe Skye.
0: And today, ladies, I'm bringing us all the three queens of the Virgin Islands, Queen Mary, Queen Agnes, and Queen Matilda.
2: (laughs) Have you ever heard of them? (laughs) They sound like fairy godmothers. They
1: do sound like fairy godmothers. Agnes,
2: Matilda, and Gwendolyn. What was the other one? Mary. Mary. (laughs) <laughs> the, no, you remembered
1: the complicated ones and forgot Mary.
0: Mary, arguably the more famous of of them all. Oh, have you is, guys ever heard no. of
2: them? I no. mean, is
1: it the Virgin Mary? Is that the Mary?
2: No. Oh, I thought this was gonna be like an alternative origin story. That'd be the shit,
1: right? No. <laughs> who Who are they?
2: Well, that's a great question, Chloe. I want
0: to lead off though, telling you how I discovered them because I think it's kind of fun and crazy. So, I just got back from a uh, vacation. I can't believe I took a vacation. It was amazing. So Yay. proud of you. <laughs> hey,
2: good. Sarah works really, 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 really hard. Non-stop. I'm a
0: workaholic, and I never go anywhere without my laptop, and I went for a week without my laptop. It was crazy. <sighs> uh, and I was in the Virgin Islands. My, one of my really best friends in the whole world, Jessie, her and her family rented a yacht. So, we were on a boat for a week, sailing around, and it was so beautiful. And the last day... I had to. I was kind of like the chauffeur driving everybody to the airport because the, the the marina we had we were we were at was across the island, which is only it's which is only like three miles long, but across the island from the airport. So I had to kind of shuffle people back and forth to the airport, and then me and my gentleman friend I was there with, we uh, had a couple hours before our flights after we dropped everyone off, and so I started the googles. I was like, Google, what is there to do? In this town where the airport is called Charlotte Amelie. <laughs> Whoa. And I started Googling around, and I was like, okay, well, we can go. We'll go to see Blackbeard's Castle, which is really just like a turret, kind of. It's like this just, just a giant circular... It's not, exa- it's not exactly what I was expecting. But it also was closed down, so we were, like, looking at it through the fence. Oh, I wonder if and it then,
1: used to be bigger.
0: I think castles of that time period were small. It was. It's not, like, a British castle. Like It's an island, it's re- so you got to make everything I mean, that's small fair.
1: Like. It would take up <laughs> half the island if it was a British castle. But maybe castle. there were
0: other buildings around it or something, like, once upon a time or whatever. Right now, and now they're all, these castles are, like, surrounded by, like, resorts, and you have to, like, go into the resort to see the castle. But anyway, Blackbeard was closed, and so we took a picture, like, through the fence, and then we were like, okay, what else is close by? And there was this... A statue called the Three Queens statue, and I was like, "Oh, the Three Queens statue sounds like an item of interest for <laughs> Sarah Gorski." Correct. So we go, and it's like just—it's like in the same piece of property that Blackbeard's castles in. So we like go around this giant block of property, and we get to the statue and i'm like i wonder who these women are were they like blackbeard's pr- queens like who were these bitches and it's it's i'm going to post my pictures on the the site when we when we have this episode air and stuff but it's basically these three women and they're all standing back to back like looking out basically onto this beautiful cove and i was like i wonder who these women were while i'm waiting at the airport i started to google and i was like okay who are these three women <laughs> i
2: couldn't wait literally couldn't at wait. the airport i couldn't
0: wait <laughs> Uh, so so first of all, I found a picture of the bronze plaque, which apparently I missed when I was there. <laughs> but here's what the plaque reads. The three queens of the Virgin Islands. In 1878, three former slave ladies on St. Croix led an insurrection against the Danish government for improved working and living conditions. During this action, a major portion of was, which is one of the cities, Uh, on the island, was destroyed by fire. This revolt is known today as Fireburn, and the ladies are renowned as Queen Mary, Queen Agnes, and Queen Matilda, the three queens of the Virgin Islands. And I was like, whoa! These bitches are the bitches I want to know about! (laughs) So each statue holds a different tool in their hand. One of them is holding a torch, one of them is holding a sugarcane knife, and one is holding a lantern. Wow. And the names of the women, they're known as queens, like beloved like the people like know them as icons and they kind of like dubbed them queens, but their real names were Mary Thomas, Axelin Elizabeth Salomon, also called Agnes, and Matilda McBean. That's the short version that Google shows you. Uh, and then I wanted to dig more into this rebellion because I'm like, holy shit, what was this? So as I am want to do, I have a little backstory of the history of St. Croix and the Virgin
2: Islands. and am here for And it. What,
0: got, what got us to this point of, of the rebellion. So um, at, at the point in time the rebellion happened, those islands were known as the Danish West Indies. The island of St. Croix has been quote owned by like seven different countries, starting with Columbus in 1493 and then in the early 1600s the British and the Dutch fought over St. John of St. Croix and then halfway through the 17th century the French bought it, but they didn't they didn't know how to like run a colony and most of their colonists became sick and died. And then ten years after that, the governor of saint Kitts purchased saint croix as his private estate then deeded it to the knights of malta but they also had no idea how to to run a colony and then the french tried again in 1665 and then by 1733 the islands were kind of abandoned and the french sold the islands to the danes so now we're under danish Danish ownership and unlike all of the previous white European tenants Denmark which at this time also included Norway um, was able to make it work because quote the Danes learned how to work the land and soon sugar plantations started to become successful and, it, and the island of St. St. Croix was particularly suited for sugar production because it was relatively flat and then on St. John they did they had um, sugar production tobacco and cotton which means they needed laborers. So who did all this labor? Well, it turns out (laughs) the Danish also had this very successful slave trading going Mm -hmm. on. What?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. In the 1600s?
2: what how shocking okay wait i have questions i have questions go Hold on, go, now we go got people so this whole time you were the, the, when you were talking about how it started like switching ownership between all these countries i was thinking yeah. like at this time w- what what was the population of this place like were there people living there like indigenous people or was it like kind of like empty and barren i i don't know is the answer <laughs> the research i found does not talk about it
1: So after we recorded this episode, I did a little research because I was curious about were there any indigenous people to the Caribbean islands? And it turns out, yes, there were. There were two tribes that we know about called the Arawaks and the Caribs. And they came from Central America and South America. And they lived in the Caribbean and the Virgin Islands for hundreds and hundreds of years, up until someone you may have heard of named Christopher Columbus shows up, and he ended up leading the charge to exterminate the majority of the population. Now, over the next few hundred years, most of both of those tribes were eradicated, and I think the Arawaks no longer exist today, although there's a few people who still live in the Caribbean, a very, very small number, like in the two digits, who identify as Arawak descendant. But there are about 3,000 Caribs remaining, and their tribal government is still in existence. It's still recognized. They, in 2004, elected a new chief to their tribe, and they live Uh, on the island still today. So thankfully they were not entirely eradicated by colonization, but it is unfortunate that most of them were. Back to our Virgin Island Queens.
0: So the Danish also had this piece of land which was called the Danish Gold Coast in what is today Ghana. And they started a extremely lucrative slave trade off of that coast. So they basically like ripped up people from Africa, from Ghana, and transported them via their boats to be enslaved in the West Indies. And supposedly, like throughout the course of time, this period of time, around 100,000 people were, were transported and stolen away from their homes. Quote, it wasn't long before the number of slaves on the island exponentially outnumbered the free men. Reports say that on St. Thomas in 1725 there lived 324 whites compared to 4,490 enslaved Africans. Oh my
1: god. Jeez.
0: Numbers being as they were, there were a ton of rebellions. Yeah. 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 The working conditions are horrific. It's incredibly hot and humid. And so there's a history. I'm not going to talk about all of the other rebellions. There is a history of rebellions back even before kind of the couple I'm talking about here. So in 1792, Denmark passes a law that says the transatlantic slave trade is illegal now. Except it wasn't going to be enforced for another 10 years until 1803. I'm sure that was to appease the rich white guys who wanted to keep making money off of it. (laughs) So there was like this 10 year buffer period where they're like, slavery's
2: not allowed in 10 years. (laughs) You got to figure out if you don't have it, if you even transferred (laughs) your shit in 10 years.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Like long kind time. of exactly. So in those ten years, of course, though there was an increase in the numbers of people enslaved and transported. And of course, even after that law came into effect, slaves could still be bought and sold on the islands themselves.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: Then in 1848, slavery in the Danish West Indies is theoretically abolished. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. I say I say theoretically for a reason. So apparently there was another big revolt in Frederikstead-Lacroix which involved over 8,000 laborers and to quell the unrest the Danish appointed Governor-General Peter von Scholten declares all slaves free with immediate effect and there were regulations laid down including that uh, enforced laborers the former enslaved had the right to earn a wage to use a house and plot of land but in true shitty white people fashion. The living conditions were absolutely horrific. Most of the ex-slaves were hired at the plantations they previously were enslaved at. And they were offered one-year working contracts. And it did include a small hut and a plot of land and a little bit of money. But unlike when they were slaves, the free workers did not get any food or care from their employers. So their living conditions actually got worse because they were like, technically free, but getting even less than they did when they were enslaved.
1: Where have I heard that before?
2: (laughs) America America and most colonizing countries.
0: Part of this additional, quote, freedom. So they they had these one year contracts. And then one time a year on the 1st of October, the workers were able to leave their current plantation and enter into contracts with new plantation owners, which is called contract day. And it was like this, quote, holiday where you can go get treated shittily by a
2: different person. Wow. (laughs) But you're still being treated shittily. Just move them all around. The grass is always greener, right? No, but you'll try again next year. Ah. (laughs) So
0: these supposedly, quote, temporary regulations, they were supposed to be like a temporary stopgap to calm down the 8,000 mad people, right? But they go on for 30 years. And throughout this time period... Wages are fixed and non-negotiable. And it meant that, like, basically nothing changed. They still were making no money 30 years later and things were still super shitty. And then in the 1870s, there's a bunch of super, super lean harvest years, which makes things even shittier, already shitty, already super shitty, got even shittier, and people were fucking mad. As they should be. Yeah. As they rightfully were. Yeah. So then, on contract day in 1878, workers gathered on the island of St. Croix to protest the poor living conditions. Enter our three queens into the picture. These workers were supposedly organized by our three queens. Yeah. Mary yeah. Thomas, Axel and Elizabeth Salmon, and Matilda McBean. And also, apparently, some others, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later, the protest suddenly turns violent and the protesters start to hurl stones at Danish soldiers and they barricade themselves in the fort. There's like this big fort in the city. Over the next few days, protesters burn down homes and sugar mills and businesses on about 50 plantations, including all the crops on St. Croix. And over half the city of Friedrichstead is burnt down. Oh. And this whole event is be- becomes widely known as the fire burn which is the uprising of 1878. And it is the largest labor revolt in Danish colonial history. In the continuing saga of the erasure of white people's dirty laundry, Mm -hmm. this particular, like the history of the Virgin Islands and these rebellions are not very well documented. There's some conflicting information and there's not generically a ton of information, which I found by clicking many links to find the same facts. Mm. Um, Some of the versions suggest that some women were burned alive by the Danes as revenge against the rebelling slaves. But then there's some other witness accounts suggesting that the the deaths were just accidental due to all the fires and that people just kind of burned because the whole city was burning. It would take the Danish government two weeks to curb the uprising. Uh, About 100 protesters were killed, most of whom were shot fighting uh, with the Danish military and nine hundred acres of sugar were burned. On the Danish side, just two soldiers and one plantation owner lost their lives. Naturally. Mm. Danish lost three people. Right. Um, immediately after the rebellion, uh, there was a court the courts martial was established in Frederickstead and Christiansted, both different cities at the time. Twelve people were given a death sentence and immediately shot. Forty people were convicted, including three women or three queens, Um, Most were convicted for having participated in an active way in the uprising. Uh, Around one in four were convicted for having been leaders and they were all given the death sentence, but were pardoned by the Danish king, who was so, so magnanimous. And instead, they received either life imprisonment or were imprisoned, quote, on the king's mercy. And some seven of them were transported to Denmark, including the three queens and another woman potentially a fourth queen named Susanna Abramson. They were imprisoned in a women's prison in Christianshaven, that which is in Denmark, from 1882 to 1887, and after that they were moved to Christianssted back on St. Croix to serve out the remainder of their sentences. Of course, the big question is did the rebellion work? <laughs> did it Oh yeah. Did it make did it make life better? They did they were able to like negotiate slightly higher wages. Um but not really Mm -hmm. so conditions still sucked for a really long time finally around the first world war workers began to organize themselves and strike and got better conditions what happened to the danish because all lives matter right in 1917 (laughs) the danish west indies were sold to the united states of america for 25 million dollars which would be 500 million today So that is today. It's the
2: U.S. Virgin Islands.
1: So they were just like, this isn't worth it anymore. You handle it, America. (laughs) America
2: been waiting. They're like, yeah, keep fucking up so we can come swoop. Yeah. We know how this rolls.
0: But the plantations were fucked up. And, like, I will say, like, I didn't go into the history of, like, each like what was what exactly was burned but there's a whole bunch of quote ruins you can go visit of sugar plantations all around the islands supposedly a bunch of them were ruins because of these rebellions Mm -hmm. right they just burned all that shit down and they never rebuilt
2: it so maybe there was an effect in that way where they kind of destroyed the industry (laughs) right right um slowly someone else will come and take over maybe they'll do a better job so i want so we talked about the rebellion and the for the, for the most part, like hopefully it
0: makes sense. Uh, but I wanted to learn more about the women themselves. So I, there's not much, but here's what I was able to find out. So Mary Thomas, she's the best known of the three queens, uh, Queen Mary. She was born in Antigua in 1842 when she immigrated when she was in her twenties. St. Croix, which was apparently pretty common. People immigrated between islands all around. When Queen Mary was 16 years old in 1858 and living in Antigua, a four-day complicated and violent uprising went down where Antiguan women were characterized as, quote, acting violently and aggressively like men and using the word our side. That term, our side, was kind of the watchword that was heard again and again in all the rebellions in St. Croix. And apparently it was like Queen Mary's favorite, like, our side. Our side needs this. Our side needs that. So it was like this coming together of enslaved people. In 1878, she was about 40 years old and had three children, although she was unwed, apparently she had been previously punished for mistreating one of her children and for theft. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe white people just didn't like her. And during the rebellion, she apparently got really drunk. And she went around town shouting that those who didn't want to be part of the rebellion were to be decapitated.
1: Oh Wow. (laughs) Damn.
0: And she was also really active um, in all the vandalism and arson on all the plantations. She was given a death sentence when she was arrested, you know. And when she arrived in 1882 at the Women's Prison in Christian Haven, in uh, Copenhagen, she brought only a ring and a few earrings. I think that's things of value that they record. And that's like all the facts about her that I could find. So interestingly enough, the majority of this information I'm talking about, these women actually comes from the prison records and the records that the Danish took. Ah. Because when the Danish sold the Virgin Islands to the U.S., records of all the colonial administrations were shipped to Denmark a century later now the Danish National Archives are scanning them and they're finally like putting them online and translating them but a bunch of them you know a bunch of them are written in old Danish and were like are totally unintelligible to all but like a couple people so it's this huge project called the the Fireburn fire files um and I went to the website and it's like The website feels incomplete, but it's because they're like constantly scanning and uploading documents and it's just not done yet. So that was Mary, Mary Thomas. We also have Matilda McBean. The prison records of Matilda McBean describe her as a young mother to three. She was between 20 and 22 years old. She was born in Christiansted, raised by strangers, had four children, is Catholic, and she submitted from Christiansted the prison, to house arrest. Uh, on July 19th, 1882 for the rest of her life for being such a troublemaker. (laughs) And then Axelene (laughs) Elizabeth Solomon, Agnes, um, the prison records of her says she's known as Agnes and they describe her as a 20 to 25-year-old unmarried mother of three. And that's all the information that I could find in the clicking and things that I did. And I'm embarrassed because I love to know more and I want
2: to say more about them. But that is all I know about them.
1: But they got a statue. How'd they get a statue? I, say, I think
2: it says a lot that they were the ones, because they took them from, so that's like from the Caribbean to Denmark. They they took them there so that to be in prison. Like They're yeah. like, you are getting as far the fuck away from this. You're not <laughs> doing this shit again. Exactly. They were like, I mean, it's, it's just
0: widely known, I think in the prison records, that they were like some of the primary organizers of the rebellion and the burning and all of the damage. So... In the revelation of all these documents that are getting translated we're also hearing more about the actual event and other people that were involved including a fourth queen who is Queen Susanna Abramson also known as quote bottom belly. She was a 48 year old unmarried woman with nine children uh, and researchers think she was the first of the queens to return to St. Croix from Copenhagen in April of 1886. And then there was a potential fifth queen, Rebecca Friedrich. And the women were known kind of in the prisons as, quote, the Black Amazons. They're also apparently, like in the Danish records, there were a number of men involved in the rebellion, too, that were leaders. And they call them the kings. But they were all immediately executed on the island. No trial, no anything. They just were were shot right away. So they kind of don't have any sort of place in the narrative uh, in any of the research. (laughs) So in 2005, to grace their immense contribution to the cause of freedom, locals in the West Indies erected the Three Queens Fountain, which stands on a hill above Charlotte Amelie, which is the, this is the fountain. This is the statue I found, which turned out to be a fountain, but the fountain was off, so I didn't know it was a fountain. (laughs) Just (laughs) (laughs) like a statue. Also, more recently than that, Denmark unveiled a statue of Mary in Copenhagen, where she was jailed. Uh, wow. And it's a 23-foot statue, and it's Denmark's first statue of a powerful black woman in its capital. Wow. Um, Whoops, and power
1: bad. No shit.
0: <laughs> there was, like, a side fact here that in Denmark, 98% of the statues represent white males. <laughs>
1: That sounds right. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: um, there's this whole website called "I Am Queen Mary," and these are the artists, Jeanette Ehlers and Lavon Bell. They they're the ones who put the statue together. Um, and they have like a whole website, and they talk a little bit about it. And I read one of their speeches at the unveiling of the the statue. A quote from Levan Bell said, I am Queen Mary represents a bridge between the two countries. It's a hybrid of our bodies, nations, and narratives. It extends the conversation beyond the centennial year and gets people to really question what is their relationship to this history. Mm. Who we are as a society is largely about who we remember ourselves to be. This project is about challenging Denmark's collective memory and changing it. Which I thought is really cool. So that's, not the, that's obviously a different statue than the fountain that I saw. So the Danish are, you know, trying. They're giving it a good old American try. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we gave you a statue. Forgive us for all the deaths. That's all i got for you guys for the three queens of the Virgin Islands. What do you think?
1: I mean, they're badass. I
2: mean, clearly. Well, I wonder what would have happened if they imprisoned them there. They were just like, nope, they'll find a way to escape and do this again. And the next time they do it.
1: I was hoping they were going to bust out of prison in Denmark. I know, or start an uprising there. Yeah, Yeah. like to
2: get the women all the... Start (laughs) a
1: prison riot. All the days. Something. Fuck yeah. Especially the the girl on house arrest.
0: (laughs) I mean, apparently they were fairly well behaved in prison in copenhagen because they were allowed to go back to st croix to the prison there and apparently that was only something that they earned by their good behavior so i'm sure they just oh. wanted to go back the fuck home why are that why the fuck am i in denmark like give me back home <laughs> i mean but this place it, is terrible like, it's so white it's also worth mentioning they were all single mothers and what the fuck happened to the kids right, right? like yeah. did they have family members to take them in you know that of course there was nothing in the the research I found about that. But it's always worth mentioning, what the fuck,
2: (laughs) arresting single moms? It's not like we haven't seen in our recent history children being separated from their parents when they're minorities, getting shuffled around from country to country. It's like so fucking ridiculous. Like the playbook goes back hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years in some cases. I'm like, hello.
0: I find it like, I don't know if this is awful to say, but I personally find it strangely, there's nothing that makes you feel better about the horrific treatment that Europeans and colonials, like, inflicted on anybody. But I think I grew up thinking that America was the only fucked up place. And when I read these other histories, I'm like, oh, no, everyone's fucked up. And, Mm, like...
1: interesting. It makes
0: me feel less shitty about just America. It makes me understand that there's a larger system and that colonialism is bigger than just one country, it's bigger than one story. It's, like, everyone's story. And I wish that other countries owned it more. Like, I wish other European countries, I don't know, reparations and shit, I, it's insane. And, and dude, I walking- feel like
1: most countries are better at reparations than America. Like, I feel like I've read so many articles in the last few years about countries in Europe, specifically giving large sums of money and setting up like social programs to benefit, you know, descendants of the the people that they previously tortured and destroyed. Like after World War II, Germany, put all kinds of programs in place to be like, hey, really sorry. And I think I've been reading more and more about how other countries have been doing that also. Really? Yeah.
2: Well, you know what's interesting, Sarah, is when you said that, I think it's like about like where you step into it from, right? Like what your starting point is. Because for me, the way that I kind of came into this was like, holy shit because the education that they gave us in the 50th state, so the newest America, was... We were the shit. Like, I had no idea for a really, really long time that America was even that shitty. Even growing up on an island surrounded by all the evidence, the sugar cane plantations, the museums and whatnot. The
1: military bases. The military
2: bases that I had access to, that my friends who were native didn't have access to. But because I was, like, in that system, like, of America, America... I mean, they did some fucked shit, like... Like looking Uh, back and thinking back and being like how in the 90s I still felt ramifications of that but still the way that public education school system I thought everywhere else was way more fucked up and America was the only country in the whole world that was and insane. That's, de- that's
1: definitely the narrative that I was sold growing up. Yeah, like The number of times that the church or my dad or whoever would be like you're lucky you were born here because this is the best place on the planet. Right. It's better than every single other place. And right. So it oh, was yeah. just ingrained that's, the,
2: that's like the white middle class narrative.
1: Exactly. exactly. It, like,
2: but I remember is... when my dad, my dad was the first person so like the only real like black person I had in my life was the one to shatter my reality and tell me like well You think white people could have just went to Africa and got slaves by themselves without any help from other black people there? And I was so mad at Mm. him because I'm like, Dad, how dare you? How dare you fucking get on the white man's side and like shut it down? But he was just trying to open up my perspective to like, you can't just do this black and white system. You have to like open it up more, right? To the the
1: class system more than it's yeah.
2: And there was hella countries. The
0: thing that's, you know, I think the thing that's important and the reason we have to keep telling these stories and teaching everybody these histories is because it's still, like, the ramifications of it are not, they're not over. They're right. not a thing of the past. And, like, specifically with the Virgin Islands, so we, we spent most of our vacation just on a, on a boat, like, going from island to island. But what, at this this last day, we were, like, driving around and looking at a couple sites, like, in Charlotte Amelie. We had, like, this awesome lunch at this, like, Cajun crab place um, and we drove around all these neighborhoods that were like, so you know, obviously you have some of these like really rich villas and shit all around, but then most of the areas we were driving through, super poor and all black, and like lots of people shuffling around that look like the LA version of homeless, kind of, or, but maybe even like worse in some ways. The people that don't look well, people that look ill, and and stuff like that. And so all the the people who visit the Virgin Islands and go there as a paradise are all fucking white. Mm-hmm. And the locals that live there are poor as fuck and black, yeah, nothing about that is okay. and i like I was sheltered from it most of my trip there, but this last day I was like, "Holy fucking shit, like why hasn't anything been done to lift up the the people who are you know who were once who were you know descendants of the enslaved? Africans, right? And they're all just so poor because they were never paid anything. And they had to fight and they had to burn down their own plantation to get attention
2: to try to even get a raise. Like, it's so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, it really sounds like, I mean, the U.S. Virgin Islands, if they bought it, it's just like the US and their islands they do what they do in the time periods they have it and it's like use it for plantations and they did that for as long as they could and now it's like exploit it for tourism for as long as you can and then the next stage for I feel like a lot of them is just what you see happening in Hawaii which is all the native people will have to go somewhere else eventually the ones who don't die out And then rich white people get to come in and own this land. But the local folks are still the ones that are like working the desks and like. Yeah, because that's all there is. And I mean, I mean, at least from like my experience at home, like if you get a job in a hotel, that's like upper echelon shit. Like if you get a job in one of the hotels, it's considered like, oh, thank goodness I get to take care of my family. But at the same time, it's like selling out because you're like, I don't want to serve these people. They are active. I am actively helping them destroy my home. But it's like, the o- it's like the only and best work around. Right. And you mm. want to support your family. Of course. So, yeah. We need more queens. We need more queens. And we need yeah. reparations. Yes.
1: Most definitely.
0: So that's all I got. And uh, I appreciate this, this anti-colonial rant. Yeah. <laughs> every, every opportunity we get on this podcast. I always love, always love an
1: anti-colonial rant. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> all right. Next week. I am going to be breaking down what the fuck is going on in this Britney Spears saga and also telling you about where she came from and how she got so famous and why she's so talented. So come on back next week to learn about Britney Spears.
0: Well, thanks you guys so much for listening. If you like the podcast, you should definitely give us a like and a review and you should definitely share us with your friends. People love this podcast. People who share it, like, we get new listeners all the time because everybody wants to hear stories about awesome women and the women who changed the world, including our three queens. So hit us up, visit our website, broadsyoushouldknow.com. You can hit us up on social, at broads you should know. If you enjoyed learning more about the rebellion and, and the three queens of the Virgin Islands, you might also be into some of our other broads. We recently just finished a series about the three queens of Madagascar, Rana Valina the first, second, and third. And you also might be interested in the queens of Hawaii. We have Queen Ka'ahumanu and uh, Liliuokulani. And we also have a bunch of episodes about other labor, labor organizers and protesters. We have Lucy Parsons. So check those broads out if you like these broads. And come back next week for another Broad You Should Know.